it'll be fun. We'll do a little bit more talk about Rospec moving uh, Rospec. <laughs> <laughs> Rospecs and Rockford moving forward. <laughs> it should just be called the Rospect Review. <laughs> And welcome to the second season of the Hockey Puckcast. We are back. Yes, we are back. It is time to get into a brand new season of Blackhawks Hockey. My name is Tyler, and I am so happy that we are able to be joined by all of our three co-hosts, starting with Wally. The Blackhawks can't be any worse than the Bears were today. Uh... We'll not even talk about that. Uh, Nick? (laughs) The future of Chicago sports is with your Chicago Blackhawks. And somebody who had a football team that actually won today, John. Uh, Connor Bedard's the only man that can save the Chicago Bears now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yeah, um... Let's just get away from football, please. <laughs> but uh, we have a lot. We have a lot lined up today that we're going to be talking about. Um, it's going to be a great time, great conversation, and we want to start with some pretty massive news going on with the Blackhawks involving jersey retirements and the plans for jersey retirements in the future. All started because the Blackhawks announced they would be retiring the number seven for Chris Chelios. And with that announcement made, there was subsequent guidelines that came along with that. And Wally, do you want to explain more about what's going on with that? Yeah, so there's a lot of like new, I would say, relaxed guidelines for retiring numbers. Um, and I think it should open the door for borderline cases, guys like Larmer, Roenick, uh, Seabrook, Chalmerson, Sharp. Um, and then those new gu- guidelines are the following. Uh, players must be retired for at least three years. They must have a minimum of 500 games played, 400 for goalies, and eight years played for the Hawks, and must have played at least 1,000 games, 700 for goalies, uh, like just total games throughout their career. Um, and then finally, they must have played for the Hawks more than any other team. There's also some others, like, uh, other stuff in there that isn't like, like you don't have to reach a certain milestone or certain stat to get in there. Um, but yeah, those are most, most of the main ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one of the things with jersey retirements is that you obviously have to be careful with them because you only get a limited number. There's only so many jerseys you can retire, especially with the fact that you've got, you know, you've got about 20 players. You got 20 players on an active scrap on an active lineup every night. Okay, so you got to fill 20 numbers. You also got three scratch, you also got three guys in a max roster, three extra guys there. And then after that, you're pushing usually playing around 30 to 35 guys in a season anyways. And then everyone in your minor league system, specifically guys who are under contract, they also have an NHL jersey number as well. So there's not a ton that you can really – there's only so far you can go. So I think that when you're talking about jersey retirements, you can make all the guidelines you want, but you really cannot go any farther beyond absolute franchise legend. Yeah, and also with how the Hawks are, they were the team in the original six that had the least amount of jersey retired 
uh, up until last year with Marian Hosa's banner going up and now with Chris Chelios going up. It opens the door for more players to be going up, such as Brent Seabrook, who will get his own night. Yes, the Sevens retired right now for Chelios, but it will go up also for Brent Seabrook in a couple of years once he's officially retired in the NHL. Since he's on LTIR, he can't have his jersey retirement as of right now. have two numbers retired, like two of the same number yep. retired. Number three for uh, Keith Magnuson and uh, Pierre Pilot. So, it, like, everyone's freaking out, like, oh, no, they're not doing Brent Seabrook. And, like, it's not that... So they, they yeah, can't, they, you know. They can't, right. They're not officially retired. He's technically right. on LTIR, so. Yeah, he still has an NHL contract, and it's not with the Chicago Blackhawks, so there's only so much that you can do there. I also think that it's easier to retire Brent Seabrook's number in the future because they've already retired seven. Yep. Like, I think that on his own personal merits alone, Brent Seabrook is a fringe retirement, jersey retirement case. Like, he was the fifth, sixth best player on those cup-winning teams. In terms of the guys who stayed there their entire... In terms of guys who stayed on that team throughout all three cup runs, obviously everyone who stayed on those cup runs was pretty much a superstar outside of Jalmerson. But among those superstars, Brent Seabrook's probably at the bottom of that list. So... It's it's obviously tough there to necessarily like put him into the rafters, but when you've already got that number up there, you don't really need to worry about that. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to make that case when his number's already there. Yeah. Now, who do you guys think will be the next player to get their number retired after uh, Chris Chelios? It won't happen, I don't think, but maybe Steve Armour. I I honestly think it's either Larmer or Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith retired what last year was it? So he only has two yeah. more years before. Yeah, yeah. I, I want I it to be Steve. Steve one. deserves it. Technically, technically, the Blackhawks are still paying for Duncan. Oh yeah, Keith. you're right. Yeah, well, they're not right. paying him money, but they're paying cap or capture. They are paying him, but it's a different stipulation than the LTIR tip stipulation in that rule set that the Hawks put out. He's retired from the NHL, so it's. I personally would think they would just put his number up once the three-year mark is up. Yeah, I don't think the Hawks are actually paying him. I think they're just paying a salary cap penalty. That's why I think it is, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because it's only for like one more season. This is the last year. Yeah, it's the last yeah. year. So it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I actually, yeah, no, it's definitely, it would definitely be Keith beforehand. And I think that they would get Keith in there before Seabrook because he's an easier argument to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has a con Smythe, mm-hmm. those three cups, and then all the stats that he put up. Norris, right? Norris yeah, yeah, he's got a Norris. Two Norrises. Yeah. The only reason Seabrook is considered a legend. <laughs> I mean, can we, can, we, can, we, can we be honest here and say that, Brent, that that Duncan Keith was maybe a little bit underrated and Brent Seabrook was a little bit overrated? That's uh, probably fair, I, I would say. But I think 
Thiebert got yeah, overrated by the end of his career. Yeah, he got so. overrated. Yeah. Well, it's not even his fault. It was uh, his contract. That a certain Thieb's someone's contract um, honestly wasn't ever terrible out. in Chicago. People Seabrook just thought it was in the last like two years of his. And Seabrook, Seabrook's yeah, he had the bad contract when he signed it, but that was the previous GM. I don't like to saying his name. <laughs> he was the one who hands out uh, contracts like that, and now we actually have a competent GM who won't honestly do something to screw the future of an organization. He'll overpay you. But only if it's for one year. Yeah. It helps us get to the cap floor. Mm-hmm. And veteranosity. <laughs> we'll get to more of that in a bit, but we do have a bit of more news to discuss here. Uh, something that was a bit surprising to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's surprising by the timing of it, not yeah. necessarily the fact that it ever happened. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, Jeff yeah. Greenberg. Uh, was our assistant general manager for the last, like, 16 months, I believe, is how long it's been. Um, but before that, he worked with the Chicago Cubs as their assistant general manager. Well, he just went back to baseball and was hired as the new GM of the Detroit Tigers. Which, wild career trajectory. How, okay, you've worked in baseball your whole life. And then it's like, okay, now I'm just going to go work in hockey. For a couple years. Okay, now I'm back to baseball and I'm getting a promotion. And I'm moving cities. <laughs> yeah, it kind of came out of left field, pun intended there. But um I, I honestly would have thought maybe he signed the deal would have signed the deal to go as GM in the offseason for baseball and a couple weeks into the season of uh hockey. Hell, baseball ends next week. And he could have just done it right after the um, season ended and then uh, left the Blackhawks right right before uh, preseason ended. But it happens right before preseason started for the Hawks and just about two weeks before uh, baseball season ended. So it's kind of an interesting move, but... Good luck to Greenberg on going back into baseball. He's he, he's uh, he's the GM of the Detroit Tigers. He's going to need all the luck he needs because that that that, that poverty. Yeah, um, he is being paid. He, he is being paid to uh, employ Javier Baez. <laughs> 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 That's reunited with Javi. He gets he gets he gets Javier's bias bosses again. That's funny. I didn't even realize that until now. That's funny. Yeah. That's, um that's but the one thing that I was saying about there was obviously with him, the fact that he left the Hawks when he did is not actually surprising to me because you don't want to go into this season with any illusions that he's gonna be there for the whole season. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to baseball, obviously Tigers have already canned it in. They know that they're not making the playoffs. They know they're not even close. They're finishing out the season, and then it's like, okay, Greenberg has like two weeks to prepare before anything happens, and then they can go straight into it. Yeah. That's the way that, from their perspective, that's the way I think about it. Good on them. Good luck to Jeff Greenberg. Um, but obviously that's a, that's a role in the Blackhawks that needs to get filled. I don't believe we have any information about if it's been filled yet. We don't. 
necessarily look to expand it. Like they had a lot of uh, other people in the kind of same position that Greenberg was in. Like Brian Campbell's kind of in that same spot. Um, There's a couple other people I know that are sitting up in the front office position, kind of as an assistant to um, Davidson. So I don't think they're too worried about losing Greenberg like that. So I don't know if there's going to be a replacement or if there is, it could be within this season or so. Like we have one of the bigger analytics departments in the NHL. So he's already, he's already established it. Um, Obviously it would have been nicer for him to be here longer so he can further establish it. But personally, yeah. I'm not too worried. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be as well. Uh, the other thing is like the systems were already in place. Like I know that there was like the article done by the Daily Faceoff a few months ago. Um, they already like had their system developed. I believe it was called Madhouse. Um, yeah, and it includes player stats, scouting reports, and personal information. It seems like they had a lot of that already done. And as John mentioned, they have the biggest uh, analytics department in the whole NHL uh, with nine uh, staff members. So I think they're in good hands in terms of the analytics department. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, I think that overall Blackhawks are going to be fine, but, you know, obviously it's still worth mentioning. Um, I think I've mentioned this to you guys before, but my dad actually knows Jeff Greenberg, so... (laughs) Cool. So there's that. Um, but now we're going to move on to the next topic, which is the Tom Curver's Prospect Showcase. Obviously, this is something that the Blackhawks have been involved in before in previous years um, with, uh, with many games and many uh, injuries. Particularly from the wild. Yes, particularly from the wild. Tom Curver's Prospect Showcase is a, it's a memorial tournament involving prospects. Uh, it almost exclusively includes... CHL guys and guys who are going to be in the AHL next season. Uh, you don't see any college guys showing up to this. You don't see any like Europeans on European contracts showing up to this. It's mostly guys who are going to be in the NHL, AHL, and CHL the following season. Um, and obviously, it's an honor of Tom Curvers, who is the um, was a longtime NHL defenseman who was re- most recently the assistant general manager with the Minnesota Wild before he passed away from cancer around, I believe, a year ago or so. But they have this tournament named after him, and this year there were three games uh, with three teams involved being Blues prospects, Wild prospects, and Blackhawks prospects. And obviously, so we had first day was Blues played Wild, second day was us taking on the Blues, and the final day was the Wild taking on the Blackhawks. Um, first game Bedard played in, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Darn thing. he was... I, I, he I don't understand why he was there. That shot of Bedard... I said it before the game, I was like, does he really need to be here right now? <laughs> like, imagine if he gets Kirby docked. Yeah. yeah. At least they chose the right day to play it, be, play Bedard, because St. Louis was on a back-to-back, technically, and they were getting beat 
to help from Minnesota the night prior by um, just how many hits Minnesota was laying on the Blues prospects the night before. Uh, I thought it was okay to play him because St. Louis came in tired that game, and then Bedard just had like 12 shots, a hat trick, and an assist. I think it was pretty okay to play Bedard in it, even though they he didn't get a goal on the starting goalie in that game. Um, he got his three goals on the backup who's. Uh, came in relief in the midway mark of the um, prospect game. But the team actually looked really good in that game together. They played smart. All players kind of had their own showing out there. Uh, Colton Dock looked good with Connor Bedard on the wing, with Connor Bedard at center. Um, Wyatt Kaiser wearing the C in game one looked really good and really aggressive to the net as well, I noticed. So game one looked good. Game two, the Hawks just looked like they got tired by the midway mark of the wild game. So it's harder to really say what happened there. Mm -hmm. They started out that first game. They started the second game. They started it out really well. Um, Yeah. But obviously what happened after that first game was... Not only did the Blackhawks take out the two players who were most likely to contend in the NHL this year, they also took out the two players who looked in the previous game leagues above everyone else on the ice. And that was Mm -hmm. Wyatt Kaiser and Connor Bedard. Yeah. Because Wyatt Kaiser was unbelievable in that one game that he did play, and he looked so much better than than everyone else in that tournament. Obviously, he's played NHL games, so it's not a surprise, but... It still was the case. They took him out after that, and then you know you had what's left over of the team who had to play that second game. Who they started well, and then they kind of collapsed from there. Oh yeah. The notable stats. These aren't like I went through like Twitter accounts to make sure that I could get these as right as possible. But like these aren't all every player because that would just be way too hard. Uh, Comezzo had had one game or played in one game. A shout out. Doc had two games, two goals, and an assist. And Korczynski had two games with two assists. I think I covered mm-hmm. most yeah. of the notable uh, performances. I think there were also two fights across tournaments. I know that one of them was Nolan Allen got in a fight. Um, I believe the other was uh, this one of the training camp invitees uh, who got in a fight as well. Wasn't it? It was Parat. I think it was. Yeah, it was Parat. Ice Hog's um, legend, baby. Still an Ice Hog. Yeah, Ice Hog's legend. Mm-hmm. Played more than Maxim Golod. <laughs> I mean, we all knew he wasn't going to play, though. <laughs> he played in what? The ECHL? Or not even that, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um. Anyways. Uh, with that, uh, any other notes on the prospect uh, tournament and the Tom Curvers prospect showcase? Um, I liked a lot. One thing I liked a lot that was really nice about it: everything was on YouTube. It was very easy to access. Yeah. Why can't all hockey be like that? Why do well, I have to? Why do I have to jump through it, hoops? Yeah. Watch prospects. Um, one thing I I think is worth mentioning is that. 
Charlie Romeliotis and Joe Bryan were pretty good on the call. Yeah, I wish Charlie <laughs> yes. and Joe did the second game as well, but then they put the wild broadcasters on who really botched that one a couple of times, I noticed. Yeah, so. yeah, it wasn't the best. Move on to our next topic, as long as nobody else said anything they want to say about the prospect tournament. I think we covered it. Covered most of it. Um, I'm still looking forward to seeing um, what some some more of those guys do. Uh, I do want to also say, Nolan Allen just continues to be oddly impressive. No one looks like he could <laughs> fight. No matter, no matter, no matter how much, no, no matter how much that, no matter how much it doesn't make sense. Whenever he puts on a Blackhawk sweater, all the things everyone's been saying about him for three years just go away. He's an enigma. Yeah, it's wild. I hope it happens when he puts on an ice hog sweater too. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. excited for our defensive core this year. Um, maybe not excited oh, because be. I don't know how they're going to do, but I'm definitely interested in how they're going to do. Mm-hmm. We have. We're going what? to enjoy watching Ethan Del Mastro every night. I, w- I I think I will because you talk so highly of him that I think I'm starting to like him more and more every time you start talking about him. So so I'm excited to watch Ethan. Um, we have like four rookies this year, I'm pretty sure, playing on defense. Wait, a lot. Del Mastro will be in Rockford this year? Uh, yeah. Most likely, we yeah. Del Mastro, we got... And Ma- Allen. Allen. We might not have Kaiser anymore You're because Kaiser's gone. been show- showing out. Um, We're not going to have bad defense, but you oh, love Colton well, too. We're not going to have Vlasic, probably. But it's looking like we're going to have Isaac back again. Because Kaiser is shown out. Roos, probably. I'm just imagining the idea of pairing Ethan Del Mastro. Just imagine pairing Ethan Del Mastro with Louis Crevier. <laughs> hey, Louis Crevier <laughs> scored after people were slandering him on Twitter. So I... And for one of the games. I, my narrative yeah. has won again. Mm-hmm. My narratives are always yeah. winning. It will be fun. We'll do a little bit more talk about Rospect moving uh, Rospect. <laughs> Prospects and Rockford moving forward. <laughs> it should just be called the Rospect Review. <laughs> but uh, we're going to do a little bit more of that. But I have a fun game we're going to play a little bit of going into this. Um, so what we've got here is this is a game called Sides Bedard. Alright, so besides Bedard, essentially the way that it works, I'm going to name, and anyone else can name a category as well, and the way that it works is, or I'm going to say like a statement, and it's going to be like, besides Bedard, who is going to lead the Blackhawks in points this year? So, besides Bedard, who will, have the, who will be the highest scorer for the Blackhawks this season? Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall? Yeah, we'll go Hall. Well, uh, John... You say Taylor Hall as well? Lucas Reichel. To Lucas Reichel. Okay. So we got two for Taylor Hall, one for Lucas Reichel, and I will go for Taylor Hall as well. All right. So besides Bedard, and with the important disclaimer that Lucas Reichel is not officially a rookie, who will be the Blackhawks rookie of the year this season besides Bedard? You know what? I'm drinking the Kaiser Kool-Aid. I'll go Kaiser. All right. 
because he'd be my pick. Um, you said Alex Vlasic? Yeah, Vlasic, yeah. Alright, uh, Nick? Cole Gutman. Cole Gutman, I like it! Okay, I like okay, it. Okay, that's like gonna be fun. Nice. Look, I, I would love to see him make the team. I, I would I would love to see it. I wanna see I wanna see him earn that spot. Um I'm gonna go a little bit bold and say Arvid Soderblom. Mm, I respect okay. it. I res- no, I I'm completely a little respect. bold here, okay? I, I think that we might get into another situation here where Mrazic gets hurt again. And no, I think no, that no, no, this no, no, time no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, it's not if he gets hurt, it's when he gets hurt. Okay. Yeah, it's happening. It, but I, it's more about what it's it's when when it happens is actually crucial because I think it that is, if it yeah, happens 100%. within the first two months, it could fall off the rails for Soderblom. But if he gets like two to three months as the one B slash backup, and then he gets more time as a one A and starter moving forward, I think he could be one of the better players on the team this year if he shows what he's most capable of. So there's that one. Uh, here we go. Besides Bedard, who will have the most jersey sales for the Blackhawks this season? Okay, it's hard to quantify that. Um, you know what, Corey Perry. Everyone, three hundred <laughs> level Corey Perry love. I had to go with the meme. It's not my fault. I just I saw the opportunity. I took it. Okay, you can't blame me for that. Okay. All right. Um. Nick, you got anything? Um, it will probably be between Taylor Hall and Lucas Reichel, but I will give it to Reichel just because he will be here longer. Okay. Wally? thinking Reichel, too. I, I was considering Jones, but he's been here for a few seasons, and uh, with Lucas Reichel probably going to be here for the whole regular season, he's my pick. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this, and I think that with I, – I have this feeling that I want to say Seth Jones, but I think I'm going to end up going with Taylor Hall. Um, and the primary reason is because even though I'm a weirdo who, who likes to care about forechecking and defense, not every fan is. <laughs> so I think that people are probably going to go for Taylor Hall jerseys more, more so than anyone else. I think Bedardo is going to skyrocket above everyone else. Um, but I think that that's that's one there. I mean, we got two Connor Bedard jerseys. Or no, we have one. Uh, that's wearing a host, Hosa jersey, but I do have a Bedard jersey. That's a Hosa jersey. Yeah, but John's got it right here. Yes, I got this on. No, um, I didn't get it on draft night. I ordered it on draft night. Mm-hmm. All right. So, besides Bedard, who is most likely to represent the Blackhawks at the All Star game? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall? All right. Seth Jones, I, I think it's... I don't think it's yeah. very close. Kevin Korchinski. Ooh. <laughs> I would love okay. to say that. I would love to say that, but I do think he'll end up going to the World Juniors. Um... Yeah, I, I do go, too, but I, will, I, will I just want to be bold. I just <laughs> want to go that. bold and just say it. I like that, Nick. I'll go with Seth Jones. I, I will take Seth Jones. Um, besides Bedard, 
who's going to have the most shots for the Blackhawks this year? <laughs> I'm. <laughs> ah. Mm, I don't know. Um, I mean, there's a lot of actually. Like, we have a good amount of shooters on this team. I'm going Let's Taylor Radish. You know what? Taylor Radish is a good pick. I'm um, I'm gonna go Taylor Radish. Death Jones. Death Jones. All right. Hmm. He's changed his game up this offseason, so he went to a more whippy stick. That's why I think he can get more shots off. So, Steph Jones is a fair choice, I feel like. All right. I like Tyler's pick. Uh, I like I like Taylor Radish for that. I like the Radish pick. Okay. The last one. Besides Bedard, how many players in the Blackhawks will eclipse 50 points this year? Mm, you're already saying he's getting 50. Okay. Look at you. Well, just we're excluding um, Bedard from the discussion. I know, yeah. I'm just saying you're already saying he's getting 50. I will say three other players, and those three will be Reichel, Paul, and Radish. Radish, okay. Radish, really? Okay, I like that. I have a weird feeling Radish is going to get a lot more playing time than what people are thinking. I could see Radish on either the first or second line and putting up the points by getting the goals. Uh, I'll say... I'll say four. 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 Do you want me to name four? If you want to. I'll, I'll go... I'll say uh, Hall. I like uh, Reichel to go for 50. I like Athens to see you. Oh, and then I have to name one more. Um, I'll go Seth Jones. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Seth Jones, okay. All right, sounds good. I'm going to go with two. Um, I'm going to go with Hall, and I'm going to go with Seth Jones. I know not having Reichel there is probably controversial, um, but I I just don't know if he'll put above uh, 50 points or whatever, so I'm going uh, Hall and Seth Jones. All right. Um, I'll... I think that I'm going to go with, um, I'll go three, Reichel, Hall, and Seth. I'll go three, Reichel, Hall, Seth. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go there. Okay, so Jordy's um, not coming for you. That's going to be it for, anyone else, anyone else have a besides Bedard category that they were thinking of? Best player. What'd you say? That one. The best player. Best player? So besides Bedard. Besides Bedard, who will be the MVP of the team? Sure. Mm. I'm going to go unsung hero Ooh. type MVP. And it's going to be Nick Felino. Mm. <laughs> just because of the leadership quality. Alright. Okay. Um I I will say Seth. I think the reason is because I think that from what we saw at the end of last season, I think he's going to carry that into this year. I think he's going to be a bit more confident. I think that the team is, yeah. he's going to feel a bit better about being on this team. He's going to be like, okay, we got something here now. 
we're going to go from here, and we got something. I'm really struggling right now between okay. Jones and Hall. Because I like that matchup. Or I like the I like that line of Bedard and Hall. I want it to be different. I'll go Hall. All right. I just wanted to go completely off the board by going Nick Foligno, by just giving him respect to be a leader in the locker room for with this young roster coming um, up. I get my answer, right? Yeah, go Yeah, go. Yeah, go ahead, Wally. Yeah, um, I'm going with Seth Jones as well. I, I think, I mean, I don't really think anyone else on that defense is necessarily even close to how good he is, so Seth Jones is my pick. Okay. All right, all right. So that was besides Bedard. Um, we might, depending on how things go this year, we might end up doing that a couple more times across the season because obviously everyone's going to talk about Bedard, but we want to do a little bit more here. Here, hockey podcast. We want to talk about not just the top guys. That's why we always talk about prospects here. We're always talking about things that are not necessarily constantly covered by everyone else. So that's the big thing here. Right, so we might come back to a besides Bedard thing going forward, so we can give some recognition to the other people. But for now, I want to move into a bit of preseason preview here. And first off, I want to start with who has the most to prove in this preseason. Who has the most to prove? Who has the most to prove in this preseason? Yeah, who do you guys think has the most to prove this preseason? Kevin Korchinski. Kevin Korchinski. Why, yeah. why exactly? When necessarily do you think that? I mean, I think he's going to be pushing for making the team, and I think it's highly dependent on how he plays um, in the preseason. So that's why he's my pick. All right, uh, Nick down. Besides Korchinski, I'm going to go with Paul Gutman just because. Um, He's going to have to really try and crack a roster spot with how that bottom six is going to look this year. So it's going to be a lot harder for a player to crack it compared to what it's been in recent years. So Cole Gutman's my pick. All right, John. I go Isaac Phillips. Yeah, Isaac Phillips. So the reason I say Isaac Phillips is because I wouldn't necessarily say he had a like uh, like he was going to make the team by default. I think we all agreed that he would probably make the team. But now with I know it's only been what three practices. I know it's only been three practices, but like everyone's talking about how Kaiser is is uh playing really well, and he looks like he's going to make this team. And so that that just adds another like defenseman in that mix that could make the roster. You got Korchinski. You got uh. Vlasic, you got Phillips, and then now you might have Kaiser. So that's a four-way battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I want to give two mentions here, one a little bit less so. This one for me is Alex Vlasic, because I think that moving into this season, we all kind of feel that he's going to make the team, but there's no guarantees with him. He was in the AHL all last season. But what I think he has the most to prove then is, can you be a top four defenseman? Can you be a top three defenseman on this team? Can you be a guy who we could pair with 
Seth Jones and feel comfortable with that for long stretches of games, long stretches of the season. Can you be on the left side of Seth Jones? If he can prove that in preseason, that solves a lot of problems for not just now, but the next 10 years. Yeah. And then the other one for me, a little bit less stakes, but a little bit, little bit lower uh, ceiling in terms of stakes, but Mackenzie Entwistle has to be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Entwistle is on the chopping block, and if he does not show up in, pre, in, in this preseason here, he is going to find himself on a different team because he will be on waivers. You think he gets claimed? And I think someone will claim him if that happens. I think so because he's got a low cap hit. He's got many years. He's got many NHL games of experience, over 150, I think, at this point. And he is um, a guy who is physical. Now, you have too many of those guys here. There's some teams that might want him in their on their fourth line. They can take and he can take faceoffs and sometimes kill penalties. Hmm. So I think that he's on the chopping block because he might end up somewhere else if not, if it's not here. I mean, you're not wrong there. Hmm. He's 126 games, career-wise. Yeah. Earned 26 games. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, next question here, a little bit different. Um, who is one player that? We haven't really talked about as a guy that we think can make the roster. Who you think this guy's going to be the star of the preseason? Last year, I would say it was arguably Orchinsky and Savoie who were like those guys in preseason. The guys who were like, "Oh, you're fantastic." Who could? Who do you think it could be this year? You don't have to necessarily make the roster, though, right? On Allen. They don't need to okay. be a guy that actually okay. makes the roster. They just need to be a guy who is like, I think this guy's going to stand out in preseason and shock everyone. Okay. I'm going with my guy, Sammy Savoy. You're going with Savoy again? I have to go with my favorite, Sammy Savoy again. He um, did so much last year, I loved it. And I think he's going to surprise more teams this year by his physicality and getting into rough play in the preseason. So... Sammy Savoy, once again. All right. Uh, John, I think you've got one, too? Well, Wally had one, but... Oh, Wally, you got one? Okay. Nolan Allen. He's gotten a lot of praise so far from uh, Mm -hmm. Luke Richardson, especially. Uh, I think he has an outside chance. I don't think he's going to make it, but I think he's going to be someone who uh, Blackhawks fans and um, the staff with the Blackhawks like a lot. And right. I'm going to go with Ethan Del Mastro. All right. Tyler's favorite. Or one of his <laughs> favorites. Uh, um, I'm going to go with a bit of a different one here. I think that this guy is going to have a fantastic preseason because I'm a bit frustrated with the fact that everyone has kept on their tank-watching goggles when talking about him. And that's Jackson Stauber. Yeah. I'm so mad that everyone's like, well, he was only good in the NHL la- last year, so so I hate him. No. <laughs> well, they should be happy that he did as it, well as he did, because if he didn't, then we wouldn't have Bedard. 
Regardless, I think I mean, that, am I wrong? I think I I am not necessarily a believer in in his NHL potential. I think that there's more to it than necessarily giving credit for, especially with how well he did at the end of last season. So I'm going to oh, say yeah. Jackson Stauber, guy who isn't really talked about much, who I think could light up the preseason, is actually Athens to see you. Because yeah. I think that his skill against some of the players who will be playing against him could go wild. Even when, when he's up against guys who are not necessarily NHL competition, he can probably do things that it'll look like McDavid out there. Just hope he's not skating into the goalpost again. Oh, certainly not. <laughs> um, and then along with that, one Blackhawk, one Icehog, and one prospect who you're most excited to watch, and you can't pick the same person you just picked for your last question. For so, Ice Hog? Okay, so a Blackhawk, an Ice Hog, and a prospect? Blackhawk, an Ice Hog, and a prospect. And Nick, you can't pick Samuel Savoie. <laughs> oh, I won't. Alright, Ollie, you got one? Well, I mean, I think the Hawk, I feel like it kind of has to be Bedard, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> you forgot to leave out the stimulation. Tom forgot to leave out that. I that, mean, uh, yeah. I, I guess you could do Bedard. Besides Bedard. Bedard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, with Bedard. Okay. And then okay, with Bedard, Bedard. It's Bedard. How about that? Without Bedard, it's Reichel. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Go with Wally. I'm ex- I'm exactly with Wally. Bedard, okay. and then if I can't if I can't pick Bedard or Reichel because I'm biased. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, with Bedard, it is Bedard. <laughs> if we can't pick Bedard, <laughs> um, honestly, I would go Ryan Donato. I've always liked Donato, so mm. I would pick Donato. Okay, yeah. Um, obviously, you can say with Bedard that you'll pick Bedard, but I'm not watching the preseason specifically to watch Bedard. I'm watching everything else. Yeah. Um, and with that, I do really want to see... Um, I do really want to see if Philip Kurashev can pick it up. Yeah, okay, yeah. I want to see if Philip Kurashev can pick it up. Um, when it comes to the Rockford guys... Um, I mean, I'm rooting for David Gust is one. I'm just rooting for that guy to just go as high as far as he possibly can in life. So I guess I could pick him. Um, but I think that I'll actually go with Colton Doc there. I think I'll go Colton Doc. And then for the prospect, I'm going to go Paul Lewinsky. I think there's been a lot of slander. And I think that he deserves an opportunity to show that he is capable. <laughs> I wonder who who was slandered Paul Woodwinski. So my Rockford <laughs> pick is Marcel Marcel. Okay, yeah. I nice. love the okay. I love Marcel Pretty Marcel. Um and uh prospect pick would have to be Ludwinski as well. I well I think he should get more credit where it's due and he's a he showed in the prospect uh, showcase that he can be a good hockey player. Now you're asking the ice hockey employee to pick. It's like picking my favorite kid. 
Like, you just don't do that. Um, That's kind of what we're here to do. I mean, but I'm, like, actively, like, on the team. I'm around the team. I see I see these players every or every day on game days. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? I'll go Jalen Wipen. I like Jalen Wipen, yes. Yeah, like that. And then uh, pro- Prospect. I'll go Samuel Savoy. Okay. All right. Um, and then Wally. I'm going to go this guy's. I've been a fan of this guy for a while. Uh, Auntie Sarala is going to be my pick for the Ice Hogs. And then. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> prospect. I'm also going to go with uh, Sam Savoy. All right. Sounds good. Um, so, anything else involving um, the preseason? Let's make sure that we mention uh, when the Blackhawks play preseason games. Uh, that's probably worth mentioning as well. Yeah. Auna mentioned the Ice Hogs one preseason game I think they're playing. One? And it's at Riverview Ice Arena. It's, it's a small, tiny arena. That they usually play beer hockey in, but they're gonna play there for a preseason game. So okay. I'm excited for that because I'm going. I got tickets. So the preseason schedule is September 28th at the United Center against St. Louis. September 30th against the Minnesota Wild in Minnesota. Uh, October 1st against Detroit in Detroit, and then October 3rd in De- Chicago against Detroit. Uh, the fifth against uh, Minnesota in Chicago, and the 7th in St. Louis against St. Louis. All right, yeah, so we got six games again this year, um, three against St. Louis, three against Detroit, three against Minnesota. I think it's the exact same preseason that we had last year. Yeah, it's always been, it's been the last uh, four preseasons, not including like covid uh, season because I didn't have a preseason. We've always played Detroit, Minnesota, and St. Louis in it. Um, and the reason why they keep playing Detroit in the preseason is because of the past history between the Hawks and Red Wings. And now that they only can play two games in the regular season, they play the two uh, preseason games so fans can hate at each other in the preseason still. I want to ask a two-part question. I want to ask a two-part question, and it's probably going to cause some pain to Nick right here. The first part is, is it hard to hate the Red Wings now that they're out of our division? And the second part of the question is, how mad will you be if Patrick Kane signs there? (laughs) (laughs) So so the answer to your first question is, it's not... Hard to hate the Red Wings. They will always suck, like that one commercial said. And then the answer to your second question would be irmeasurable amounts of pain <laughs> and suffering. <laughs> I might go dark for a while. <laughs> Detroit will always suck. And if Kane went there, it would suck like it did with Chris Chelios going there for fans from the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that's how it would be. I don't be. think it would be Wally? hard to hate Detroit. Um, to be honest, I don't really. This is probably going to sound terrible, but I don't really care that much if Kane goes there. Um, 
I mean, that's just my opinion. I know that a lot of people probably won't agree with that, especially Blackhawks fans, but that's my opinion, so. I mean, it's just, like, one yeah, of those you things, um, you know, if he signs there, he signs there. He does what's best for his career, so. Yeah. I see what you're saying, yeah. Mm. But, I think that, uh, um, so there is that. Uh, I do want to give a little bit of a quick uh, mention of something. Um, Blackhawks play preseason games on, so their last one's the 7th, which is a Saturday. And then right away, Tuesday, they play a road game. Oh my god, they start the season on a five-game road trip. What? Yeah, so we got our first we got our first road our first game of the season is at Pittsburgh on Tuesday. So you got Saturday, two days of rest, Tuesday. You probably won't get a ton of NHLers in that last preseason game regardless, but still, that's a quick turnaround for the coaching staff as well. Um and then with that, I want to go into one of our last couple topics here, which is a central division standings prediction. So this is going to be kind of our central division preview for everyone, obviously because, you know, Hawks fans, but that means that we are part of the central division, so we want to make sure that we are talking about that as a whole. So we're going to start eighth place. For eighth place in the Central Division, I've got the Arizona Coyotes. Anyone else? It's Chicago. We've got Chicago. Coyotes. Yeah. I got Arizona. Arizona? Love Wally? Give the, the Blackhawks as well. Um, what exactly is the reason why you're sticking with the Blackhawks down there? Wally, yeah, you want to go first? Uh, I still don't think the team's that great, to be honest. They added a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be enough. And obviously, Bedard's going to help a lot. But I don't think the team is... Like, I don't think they improved that much, if necessarily at all. I think the Coyotes did, so I have the Blackhawks at 8th for that reason. Yeah, Okay. I think... Arizona uh, really improved quite a bit on their roster this year. The Hawks improved from last year's roster. I will say that. And I from 59 points last year, I can see the Hawks ending up with uh, 68 to uh, 70 points on the season, but still as the worst team in the division, as a bottom five team in the league. I ended up going with Arizona because I honestly think that they still have I, I think they have probably one of the worst defense goalie do, com, combinations in the entire league. I mean, look at their blue line. It wasn't good last year even when they had Jacob Chikrin and Shane Gosper playing most of the season. And now, they turned that into Sean Dursey and Matt Dumba. And I've I've never been a believer in the Karel Vamelka hype. I've always felt that he is extremely overrated just because, like, oh, a semi-competent goalie playing for the Coyotes. Wow. So I, I think that Arizona is... I also think they were lucky to get as many points as they did last year, honestly. I, I think that... Okay. When, it looked, when you look at the Coyotes, it seemed like 
I mean, you could kind of put it in the sense of they kind of ruined their own tank. I don't think they're. I, I think that they honestly were a bit lucky to be where they were last year and be as far away from the bottom four as they were. So I think that now, I think that they're going to fall back down. I also think we might get a little bit of the beginner's luck factor with uh, the Mullet Arena. I think it's kind of the prestige, kind of like the fanfare of that's going to fade a little bit. And they were so dominant at home last year. They had such a good home record considering how bad they were. So I think that those factors are, are, are all combined is going to make it a little bit uh, less. And they're going to uh, drop below the Blackhawks this year. Mm-hmm. Um, John, any added thoughts there? Because I just threw this together. I just put Arizona <laughs> at the bottom. Um, all right. Coming on to seventh place. Um, I have a bit of a controversial one here. I definitely have a bit of a controversial one here. Is it the Blues? It's Nashville. Okay. Really? Okay. I do not Bold. like what they did this offseason at all. I just I I despise their off season. Okay, let's hear I think the rant, Tyler. Let's hear the they rant. He spent he spent way too much money to get rid of uh, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. Those guys were not dead weight, and they are now spending like ten million dollars on the salary cap for the next four years to just not have them there. I don't think those are good moves. I still think that they have so many players on their team that are just painfully average. Um, and even though they've got Roman O'Reilly Yossi, signing. I think the O'Reilly signing is okay. I think it's too many years. That doesn't matter for this year necessarily. But I think their forward core is very bad. Very, very bad. And I see very few sign um, signs of uh, promise there. Like Maybe Thomas Sino. I don't see a lot there that's really exciting in the forward core. Um, the defense will be better, and of course they have Soros. But goaltending is weird. So I'm going to take a little bit of a leap of faith there and say that they're not going to be very good next year. Although they do have Andrew Brunette, and I really like Andrew Brunette, so maybe not. <laughs> um, anyone else? Mine at 7th is St. Louis. St. Louis. Okay. They didn't do anything to improve upon their roster. Their goaltending is still suspect with Bennington. They have a better backup this year, but their roster is virtually the same as last year. They don't know how their offense isn't the greatest. Their defense isn't the greatest. Their goaltending is Jordan Bennington, who's going to try and chop someone's head off with his stick or throw a water bottle at someone. (laughs) And a rookie goalie. So, I can't really say St. Louis is a top five team in the Central Division. That's why I have them at seventh. Seventh. Okay. Uh, John, your seventh place? I have the Blackhawks. Okay. The Blackhawks. Um, uh, I have Wally. The oh, oh, you can go. You can go, John. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I'll let Wally go. It's fine. Okay. Uh, I have the Coyotes at seventh. Uh, 
yeah, I guess that's kind of it. I don't think I don't think I don't think they're that much better than the Blackhawks, and I think the team that I have sixth is uh, quite a bit better than uh, than the Coyotes are. So that's why I have them at seven. All right, all right. So now uh, moving into sixth place, um, this is where I have the Blackhawks. I have Blackhawks in sixth. Um, a uh, lot of I think they did make a lot of improvements this year, which we've talked about a ton of them. Um, and there were a lot of improvements to the roster, especially when you look at the end of season roster. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly not fantastic. I am happy about a little bit more of the youth movement, though. Obviously, the concerns are goaltending, as it's either unproven or Peter Morazic. I mean, just Peter Morazic. Just Peter Morazic. Just Peter. I mean, maybe you get vintage Morazic, which would be crazy. This is where I have Arizona. All right. Uh, Arizona, St. Louis, and Chicago are pretty close together in the standings, in my opinion. Points wise, you're going to see a lot of the point, like the same points you're going to have between those three teams. But I think Arizona is just slightly better than both St. Louis and Chicago. All right. Um, John? Uh, what? What is the sixth? Sixth so place. I have, uh, yeah, so I have the Blues. I just don't think they're that good. Mm. And they didn't really do anything in the offseason. Except for adding Kevin Hayes. All right. Which... Of, uh, the Predators at six. So, yeah, I think they're just really mid, if I'm being completely honest. Besides for Saros and Yossi, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think that team's necessarily great. So, they're my sixth. All right. Um, Moving on to fifth place. Um, This is where I put the St. Louis Blues. Um, I can't lie. I actually really liked a couple of their depth pickups at the end of last season. Happening on waivers, and then Jakob Vrana half-retained for, like, a seventh. I think both of those were very savvy moves, taking on players that were undervalued at the time that are very capable of being good middle six guys. And then, obviously, you get Kevin Hayes for pretty much nothing half-retained. I still think there's something in there with, with him. Um... Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, and Jordan Cairo are all very good players. Uh, and I just think that I think there's a lot of people who are overlooking some of the underrated aspects of that team. The obvious concern there is I don't believe in Jordan Bennington. <laughs> I think that being fifth place in the Central Division is not going to be an impressive uh, feat. So even if... I have them here. I'm still not impressed with with what they have. I still think that they're not going to come close to a wild card spot. Okay. Um, Nick, this is where I have uh Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah. Um, Winnipeg. Yeah, I like what they were able to do with getting um rid of PLD and bringing in what they did. But they they have the question marks going up to the trade deadline. Will Hellebuck remain a Jet? 
will Shifley remain a Jet? They have a lot of question marks on that roster. It feels like Winnipeg, by trade deadline, is going to be trading off players versus um, contending for a playoff spot anyways. So I think Winnipeg drops to fifth. Okay. Uh, John? That's two. And while well, I agree with what everything that Nick said, I'm also going to add in that it feels like there's still a sense of turmoil within that organization. And I don't know. Like, it feels like they're passing off as like, oh, everything's fixed. I don't think so. I mm-hmm. still think there's a lot of tension within that building. So I'll put the Jets there at, uh, uh, what, fifth? Yeah, fifth. All right, Wally? I have the Blues at fifth. I agree with pretty much everything that Tyler said. I think they have um, their forwards are pretty good up front. Uh, and then, like, the goaltending is just kind of a big question mark. I'm interested to see how uh, Joel Holfer does, though. I think he could be, I think he could be pretty good, but uh, they're my fifth for right now. Okay. Um, into fourth, this is where I've got the Jets. Um... I didn't, I don't, I just think that the rest of the division is so bad that it might get to the case where, like, they just can't, I guess the comparison I would make is, say, Columbus in 2019, or Columbus in 2020, or no, no, 2019, Columbus in 2019, where they're on the fringes of the playoffs, and they opt to keep their players and sneak in. Now, maybe they don't sweep the President's Trophy winners. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna claim. I'm not gonna claim that's gonna happen. But I'm thinking kind of everything about that, where it's like, it's like when they kept Panarin and they kept Bobrovsky and they kept Duchesne, even though all of them had trade rumors around them, and the team probably wasn't going anywhere, and they were all probably gonna leave in free agency. This right now with Hellebuck, as well as with Mark Scheifele, kind of feels that same way, and I think they might sneak in there. But it could set them back decades. Mm-hmm. It could set them back half a decade if they both leave in free agency. Yeah. Fourth place? This is where I have the Predators. Nashville in four, okay. Like, I agree with everything you guys have said about Nashville, that it's just, like, super mid, and that finishing in fourth won't be that great of an accomplishment. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have Nashville at fourth as well. Here's why I think the acquisition of uh, Andrew Burnett behind the bench is going to lead to that team scoring a lot more goals than what um, they've been known for in the past. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is a questionable signing in my opinion, but it's a good veteran presence like for that roster in my opinion. And I don't think they make the playoffs. Frankly, I don't think I only think three teams make the playoffs from the Central. But they're going to be more competitive than what people are viewing them as. Mm-hmm. I understand that. My only concern is that when you look at what Andrew Burnett was doing before when he was able to get great offenses rolling, those were teams with fantastic amounts of talent in the offensive areas. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at Alex Barkov and you're looking at uh, Jonathan Huberto, and then after that, you're looking at Jack Hughes 
and Jesper Bratt and Nico Heischer. Those are fantastically talented players. This is a team that we're looking at in Nashville right here who their fourth highest paid forward is Colton Sissons. Yeah. So I, I, I get I get that. I want to believe in Andrew Brunette on like a on like a personal level because I think what he did last two seasons has been really good. But I can't see it here at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wally, your fourth place. I think they're pretty clear ahead of uh, the Blues at five, at least for me. Um, so yeah, I have the Jets here. I think they have a lot of talent on their team. It, again, it kind of depends on what they do with uh, Hellebuck and then Shifley, but I think I think they're pretty comfortably in fourth. Okay, fourth place. Yeah, I would feel I feel kind of a, a similar way as well. There, obviously, I said so. <laughs> obviously, I feel a similar way. Um, so we've said the same five teams for places four to eight for everyone here. Everyone said that there. So we've all got three teams left for this top three right here. Um, and I'm going to let Nick take it away. Nick, who is your three? Uh, third place, I have the Minnesota Wild. Okay. Um, I think this is probably one of the last years we see Minnesota like one of, as a top team in the division. But it's the fact that the other two teams ahead of them are, are so much better on paper, I think Minnesota just sits perfectly at third place in the Central Division. Okay. Um, John? Minnesota here. Um, there's like, th- like, like, you got the Predators and the Jets, who I think are, and then maybe the Blues a little bit, who are pretty mid. I think the Wild are just less mid. So that's why I have mm. them at third. All right. Uh, Wally? Surprising, but I actually have the Avalanche here. Yeah. I, I don't. Okay. If you look okay. at their like forward core, I don't like. They still have McKinnon. They still have Rantanen, but there's like at least in my opinion two glaring holes on in their top six. Um, Duran, I don't think is should really be in the top six for a contending team. Um, yeah. Johansson is okay, but I'd rather have him as, th- as a third line center. Um, I think they're okay. Like overall, their defense is still really good. Um, goaltending's pretty good. I think they're a good team, but just some of like the holes in the top six, there's a few question marks there for me. Oh, Wally, Miles Wood. <laughs> <laughs> what was his contract again? Something crazy. Six years, two and a half million. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, actually, I, I actually, I actually do put that. down. I, I, I seriously put down Colorado as well for my for my third place as well. Uh, they don't have Landeskog for the entire season. Um, and along with that, um, I still think that there's there's depth there's there's depth concerns with that roster now at this point that are becoming more pronounced uh, because of the contract extension for Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon just got a massive contra- uh, uh, cap hit raise. And because of that, there's a lot of concerns about what's going to happen moving forward for them. Um, I'm still not necessarily convinced with Alexander Georgiev as a starter. Uh, 
especially mm-hmm. moving forward there. Uh, I still think there's a lot they would need to do. I think that they're playoff tested. Um, they added Ross Colton as well, which I think is a good move for them. I don't necessarily think it's going to lead to regular season success, though, uh, because they're a bit burned out at this point. And, you know, they got beat by Seattle in the first round last year. Um, I think that when it comes to them, in terms of the final standings, I think they might finish in third. Uh, okay. Second place. With this one, I will be taking Minnesota here. Um, I think that when it comes to the Wild, uh, they didn't do a ton in the offseason, but I just think that... I do believe that they are a bit of a ticking time bomb, and not in the way that Nick said. I think they're a ticking time bomb in how long until this team is going to explode when those cap hits are gone from their buyouts, when they get that free $15 million in cap space. What's going to happen then? What are they going to be capable of? They're going to make like, what trades are they going to be able to do? How are they going to be fill that roster? For now, being a good team is awesome. What can they be once they get that money? How are they going to use that? It's going to be like a, it's mm-hmm. going to be like an NFL team in an off season. Honestly, I don't see that in the NHL very often. Yeah. Unfortunately, when we did last time, we saw Calgary give Nazem Kadri seven years. <laughs> There was that. Um, but that was more future. I also think that they just have a really good roster at this moment in time. A really good defense, too. Big uh, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodin, um And Brock Faber is going to be fantastic for them this year. <sighs> Tyler, do you think they survive that long, though? Like, those cap hits aren't coming off for a while. They got two oh, more no, years. Actually, two years. Yeah, they got two more years. I was, two I was more years, and then years the they had the left buy- total. Yeah, on the buyout periods. No, because after 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 next season, yeah, it drops down to like yeah. under a million. Yeah, it drops to eight hundred thirty three k for each. So yeah, yeah for each for until twenty twenty eight twenty twenty nine. I just mm-hmm. misread it. Yeah. So yeah, they'll they'll I think they'll survive. So yeah, that's going from buyout penalties of uh, the, the buyout cap hit penalties. That's going from around just under fifteen million to just under one and a half million. Right. It's a crazy amount of capsies they're going to get, mm-hmm. along with the cap raising. That's going to keep happening for everyone. To go wild, then. Pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, Nick, John, Wally, we got for second place for you guys. My pick is Colorado at second, just because, um, last year they played without Landis Gog all year. This year they're going to be without Landis Gog all year. And it sounds like they might be able to activate him for the playoffs. That's what they've been saying, but who knows about that? I think they know what they need to do now without Landeskog after now going into year two without him. I think they could actually re- kind of improve their play. I like the acquisition of Ross Colton, and I think he's going to have a career season with Colorado. Okay. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I didn't touch on Jonathan Druin, which I kind of maybe should. Um, 
I think that there's a lot of wishful thinking with Jonathan Druin, and I think it could go. I I don't want it to go this way, but I think that it could. It could go the way of this could end up like the way that Galchenyuk with the Leafs did, where mm-hmm. we can fix him. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, John, I have the Avs here as well. And I kind of agree with what you said. Like, their uh, their depth is not that good. Like, their top six is good, but there's a couple holes. So I'll put the Avs there. Mm-hmm. And Wally? Wild here, similar to Tyler, and mostly for same of the, some of the same reasons as Tyler as well. So, yeah. All right. And counting... It looks like we all ended up putting Dallas at number one. So, um, just, 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 right a collect, uh, just a collective session to just wax poetically about how ridiculous this team is. Uh, they're my pick to make it to the Stanley Cup this year. And mm. maybe win it. Yeah. Dallas is the best team in the Western Conference on paper right now. So around two months ago, I went through and I was like, okay, if I was going to start a GM mode, what teams would I want? How would I, how would I rank all the teams in terms of like difficulty of run of doing a GM mode? The easiest for me was New Jersey and second easiest was Dallas. This team is so well built. It starts with Ottinger, Haskinen, Robertson, Hints. The defense behind Haskinen is solid. Um, the players behind Robertson, Hints, and Ben Sagan are also really solid as well. Big fan of Wyatt Johnston, too, and what he did last year. And they just keep getting better, and they're mm-hmm. a young team, and they have good experience with them. Joe Pavelski just added Matt Duchesne on one of the biggest bargain contracts of the offseason. It's ridiculous. They're yeah. going to be nuts. Again. It, 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 it's, if we see a Dallas-New Jersey Stanley Cup final this year, it would honestly be a good Stanley Cup final to watch. And um, the way Dallas is set up for their future still is great because they have a young goalie, they have young core built, but they do have a older core as well. But their younger core is pretty much their main takeover of the roster at this point. And the way they're put together, they can win a Stanley Cup this year. Absolutely. Um, I think that, that could definitely be the case. Um, any other thoughts on Dallas? Not really. Like, Nick kind of covered it all. Like, yeah, this this team is just cracked. Like, they're just, they're just too good. Yeah, I don't have anything to add either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that, uh, we're going to f- move into our final topic of the day, um, which is prospect reports for the upcoming season. Before that, though, I want to give a quick mention um, to one thing that I... Almost forgot to bring up. Uh, so we'll go to prospect uh, reports in just a little bit because we have a couple prospects who have started their seasons already. But beforehand, I want to ask everyone the question. 
Do you think the Blackhawks need any more signings, and why are they Jesse Puyarvi? The reasoning why you want Jesse. <laughs> you want the reasoning why I want Jesse under- Puyarvi. Yeah, because yeah, he's been kind of underwhelming. Um, and like, if you're underwhelming frankly, with the Oilers, it's kind of like, what's the word? It's kind of an indictment on you, not on <laughs> the Oilers. Okay, so I think that Jesse Poyuri has been a bit of a scapegoat throughout all this, and I think that there's a very specific way that you need to utilize him that I think actually fits really well alongside generational talents. Mm-hmm. I think that Jesse Puyarvi unlocked something in McDavid a couple years ago that wasn't entirely there before, and we've seen him explode ever since. And that was just a big body who moves people in and, and creates space for elite skaters. I think that Jesse Puyarvi could be the perfect right winger for the time being for the Chicago Blackhawks. For that first line right wing. Say? I honestly believe that that could be the case. I think that the, the ability that he has to create space in, 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 the trans, in transition for what he did with McDavid at first could do the same for Bedard, and it could... It won't look great on his own personal statistics, but he will make Bedard better. That's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Diane, but it's Jesse Pugliarvi, and he's been underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like, like, obviously not everything's points in the in hockey because that's just the nature of the game. That's the nature with, like, a lot of sports, probably every sport, but uh, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't hate it. Like, I wouldn't like try to like run through the streets saying like, "Oh my goodness, this team sucks." Jesse Pariyarvi is joining us. We we're st- we stink. But I'm not like. I'm also not like uh, what's the word? Pounding the table for it to happen. All right. Sounds good. Um, Wally, I think you want to say something? I wouldn't mind him on a PTO, I guess. I just don't know if they should sign him right now. Uh, but I, I wouldn't mind getting him at camp and just seeing what he can do. I know that Davidson, I believe, said that they're not expecting to getting one on a PTO, so I don't think it's going to happen. But I get why someone would like uh, Pugliarvi on the team. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm pretty much at the same point with Wally on that statement. I just felt I needed to put it out there because I think that there's that there's a bit of uh, yeah, he doesn't score. There's so much else. There's so much else. You get you have Bedard mm-hmm. to score. <laughs> That's just how Am I. Am I wrong it. in saying that we should sign a third goalie? No, you're completely right. I don't um, think I don't that want... where we're at right now is, is good. Because 
I mean, we've talked about this before. You could take everything we said about Soderboom last season and apply it to Jackson Stauber and Drew Camezzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that even if even if Camesso plays more games than Stauber this year, I think that Stauber's the first call-up. Yeah, 100%. But I also don't want Camezzo, especially if he's struggling, to get a brunt of those starts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that now with that, uh, last thing we're going to do, we're going to move into our prospect reports. So, coming into this season, some of the leagues haven't started yet, but overseas and the USHL primarily, leagues have started yet. So, we're going to move it over to Wally, our prospect guru. You can follow him at CHI underscore prospects on Twitter, which is his alternate alternate uh twitter account uh yes we still call it twitter here because we are human um (laughs) (laughs) but you can go follow him on twitter at uh chicago prospects at chi underscore prospects so wally what have we got going on right now in prospectville starting with the guys over in europe um roman kansarov was the first one i wanted to talk about uh he's played 10 10 khl games so far this season um, and the thing that's impressive about that is he's averaging about 11 minutes a night. For a 19-year-old in the KHL, that's really impressive. He's still searching for his first KHL point. I think he'll get it soon. Um, but that's something that I wanted to highlight. Yeah, and he didn't. And he was, isn't like a guy who who was in the KHL last year. He's been in the MHL the entire time, and he was also has no VHL experience either. Played one KHL game or was on the roster for one KHL game last year, but besides for that, uh, no prior experience in the KHL. Now he's just what full time. Is he playing on? Yeah, um, Kansarov. He's kind of switched between lines. He's been like the thirteenth forward a few times. Uh, third line. He's played on the first line for one of the games actually, um, but he's kind of switching lines, kind of all over the place. Good. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, anything else in Russia? Uh, Ilya Stefanov, um, he's kind of had a little bit of a slow start. He started on the first line, um, but he's been demoted to the bottom six now. Uh, before today, which is Sunday, um, he didn't have any points. He did score his first goal today, though, and hopefully that opens the floodgates for him a little bit because he needs to start scoring a bit more. Yeah, um, Akbar's weren't that high of a scoring team last year, but um, you know he still was one of their leading scorers, and it seems like it's not the case at the moment. Um, we we took a bit of a leap of faith putting him in tier three in our prospect uh, pyramid uh, in the last uh, prospect episode, the end of season one. So hopefully we get some more from him going forward. Uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully that's the case. Uh, two other guys I wanted to touch on, um, the two late-round Finns that we drafted, uh, Riku Tohila and Yanni Paltinen, uh, they're still searching for their first Liga action. They haven't played in Liga yet. Um, Tohila has three points in six under-20 games, while Paltinen has three in eight games. Is Riku Tohila playing in under-20 league right now? Yeah, he still is. He's still in the under-20 league. league. Uh, 
Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay. Um, it was a seventh rounder. Especially for that bad of a team. Yeah, but he's and then uh, Yanni, didn't Yanni Peltonen play in the Liga primarily last year? I thought he mainly played in the under twenty league, but I could be wrong. Maybe he um, did play in Liga last year. Maybe I'm thinking of Milton Oscarson. No, he didn't play in he didn't play in Liga last year. He played in the under twenty league. Oh, he did. Okay. Oh, I felt he wasn't an overager. Nah, he was a draft year player when we drafted him. Okay. Yeah, he was. He spent the entirety of the year in the in the under twenty league last year, and he's still there. Okay. Yeah. No. So that that part makes sense, actually. Moving over to Sweden, we have two prospects. Well, technically three, but I'm only going to focus on two: um, Victor Hronborg and Milton Oskarsson. Uh, they're both seeing increased usage this season. Uh, Hronborg has averaged roughly 15 and a half minutes through two games. Uh, he doesn't have a point yet, but it's good to see he's getting increased ice time. He actually had, I believe, 17 and a half minutes the other day. It's pretty impressive, nice. especially considering okay. he played on the fourth line primarily last year. Um, I want to pause you for a second there. Um, for those who aren't really uh, used to paying attention to prospects, Wally, can you explain why... You put so much emphasis on uh, ice time for these guys. Usually younger players don't get a ton of ice time in Europe because there's veterans who some of them have NHL experience, some of them have AHL experience or other European league experience, and they're, giving, they're given priority over the younger players. They don't really prioritize development as much because the younger players tend to come over to the NHL and don't play in the pro leagues in Europe. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah, kind of why so, it's a heavy emphasis on ice time. Yeah, so we'll definitely be tracking ice time a lot over this uh, time, uh, especially with these guys. We'll, we'll really focus on ice time. And we did see a little bit of controversy with the ice time stuff when it came to over here in America with the whole Chicago Wolves, con- uh, Chicago Wolves Carolina Hurricanes thing that went down. So you can see the the difference in discourse between development and success. And the Chicago Wolves care about success. Carolina Hurricanes cared about development. So now they're no longer together. Um, in the KHL, they are parent teams. Uh, they own themselves, the KHL teams. Um, Metallurg Magnundegorst doesn't have to answer to anyone. So they can make their own decisions about who is the best players in their rosters. Um, and then with that, uh, anyone else who's playing in Europe at the moment? Yeah, I also wanted to touch on Milton Oskarsson. Um, mm. He's averaged 13 and a half minutes uh, per night through four games, which, again, is pretty impressive. He was mostly playing like fourth-line minutes, 13 forward minutes last year. Uh, and he actually has one point on the season. It was actually a pretty nifty uh, no-look pass from behind the net. So that, that was definitely interesting to see, so... All right. I was not expecting um, to see then, that from him. Yeah, interesting with Oscarson. I believe that even though he was drafted two years after Krumborg, they're about the same age. Yeah, I think he's 20, I believe. I think they're yeah. both 20, somewhere. I think last time we talked about this, Oscarson's actually slightly older than Krumborg. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, is there anything else in Europe? I think, is the Czech League happening at the moment? 
Michael Crudel. I don't know if we really need to say much about him at this point, though. I, I don't. He, I mean, he got loaned to a different team uh, in the Czech Republic, but he's not really. Doing we have anything. so few. We have so we have so few guys to talk about that. I mean, you can mention him now at least. Yeah. And then there's, I guess, one more European player, uh, Yuri Falkman. Uh, he signed a three-year deal with, I believe it's Langnau Tigers, I believe is how it's said, uh, in the Swiss League. How that? Yeah. Um, and he, st- he still hasn't played a pro game, but I think he might get some, uh, some pro games this year. Uh, and then he had a three-goal, uh, four-point performance for their under-20 team earlier this season. And he has five points in four games so far. Okay. Um, I think felt, uh, I believe what I heard, first off, when I heard on the broadcast, because he was at the uh, Tom Curver's prospect showcase, he was the only European player there because they let uh, Lang now let him go. I believe they pronounced it Felchman. Be right. I don't know. I, didn't, I so, wasn't able to watch it. So, game, so, so. We'll, look, we'll, we'll look in that more um, and see. Felchman, Felchman. And I think it might be Filchman, so we'll, okay. we'll we'll look into that one more. Um, I believe that's the rest of the Europeans, and we only have one player whose season in North America has started. I am pretty sure I'm correct in saying so. I'll be Adam Guyon. He's played two games so far, and he's won both of them. Uh, he has a 929 save percentage and a 1.96 goals against average through those two games. Um, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come because he's been he's been really good. I believe in one game he had a nine fifty eight save percentage, another one a nine oh six. I want to say, obviously the nine oh six isn't okay. great, but it's fine. And the nine fifty the nine fifty eight that was that was a great game for him. Yeah, uh, good start for him, especially because it was a bit of an off the board pick for like public rankings where. Uh, Adam Guyon was selected, even though while well, you knew from the start that Adam Guyon was the Blackhawks pick at goalie. <laughs> uh, but it does seem to be the case that uh, it's good for him to get this point to get uh, to get going in the going in the USHL. I'm going to make a prediction here, and I'm going to say that I think that he ends the season at Minnesota Duluth. I think he. I think he starts. I think he. I think he enrolls starting in the January semester. He plays hockey there to finish the season. It happened with Tage Harding a couple years ago. That would be. I must. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that would be good. Yeah. I think it could be um, the case. Yeah. I kind of want to touch on two things quickly. Yes. Which I don't know how we haven't talked about them, or at least one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, no captain this season. No Only captain. Yes. Okay. That is yeah. that is an important discussion to have. Um, I think that obviously Jonathan Tays leaves this uh, off season. I think he n- announced officially that he's not going to play for this season. Yeah, and then he's going to yeah. try to play next. Yeah, he's going to try to play the year after. Um, Blackhawks aren't naming a captain this year. I think it's obviously makes the most sense, best best option for now. Um. Uh. Is there anyone here who thinks that there's any logical reason to say that the next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks won't be Connor Bedard, probably starting the year after this one? No. It, 
how it looks like it's all set up, it's going to likely be Connor Bedard wearing the C neck, not this season, but the season following. And uh, just because there's there's already been history of the Blackhawks doing something similar in a way. Jonathan Taze being named captain after his rookie season being and became the longest tenured captain in Blackhawks history. I think they'll end up setting it up where maybe if it's not next season, it will be within the next two years. Connor Bedard will be wearing the C for your Chicago Blackhawks because otherwise they would have named like Connor Murphy or uh, Steph Jones, the captain this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then John, what was the other thing you wanted to touch on? Okay. So this one's less like, less newsworthy but um we talked about this player needing to do what he did and he did it this offseason because he would get knocked off the puck a lot and that's Lucas Reichel going up from 170 170 pounds to 188 Mm. so he put on some muscle yeah added muscle to his frame nice and they do fully intend Reichel to play at uh, center. Okay, this let's year not talk about that. We, I, on we know what. I, I think that if he's adding size to his game, that could be interesting. I don't necessarily see an issue with him trying it a little bit more. I don't think it's the long term plan. I, I don't believe it is because I think that I think it could have been if they didn't luck out with Oliver Moore. Lucking out with Oliver Moore yeah. changes everything. This year. It, This year is the year Mm -hmm. to test things out. See how Reichel is at center, and because what there, what is there to lose? This team's not going to be in a playoff position. They're going to test players out positions, moving them around in the lineup in different positions. It's worth giving Reichel the shot at number two center for your Chicago Mm -hmm. Blackhawks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that could definitely be the case. Um, I think that there's I, I something we haven't really mentioned is um, a bit of like uh, power play predictions. I think that your top line, you probably have you got Seth Jones in there, you've got uh, Taylor Hall in there, you've got Connor Bedard in there, and you've got Lucas Reichel in there. I'm wondering who is, but like is. Taylor Hall and Lucas Reichel in there. Who fills in that bumper spot? Who would you want to be there? Who takes the net front role? I think you could go. Uh, like you could go Radish. You could go Dickinson. You could go Perry. There's some guys that could do that. Here's where I'm at with my prediction for the first power play line, which I could see happening as as of the first game of the season. I predict the first power play line of um, Paul Bedard on the blue line with Jones, Reichel at the dot, and Radish on okay. right wing. And Radish playing more of All the right, bumper you have Radish position. Uh, more in the middle with that bumper spot. Mm-hmm. I think that yep. you could say Radish. Um, I think I'm going to go with Felino actually. Actually, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Felino as the okay. net front. 
Mm. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Antonio okay. as the net front. Uh, I'm unsure about who fits the bumper spot the best. Um, I don't know, maybe with his added weight, it could be Lucas Reichel in there, but... <laughs> um, I don't know if we just... I don't, I don't know if we necessarily yeah. quite have one at the moment. Have a great bumper. Very powerful. I think play. that was... Uh, Unless you want to put Tyler Johnson at, as it. He did play Donato. the bumper last year, Kai and it Joe, worked out Donato, pretty well. Any of those guys, maybe? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's something that we might need to wait a little bit more think, for preseason to develop yeah. before we see. We'll probably... We need the next yeah, two weeks we'll, to see how that rolls, because the preseason we'll, just starts I think we'll, we'll record an episode either halfway through the preseason or once the preseason's completely over, and we'll get that one out then. Um, but we'll be able to do a recap of the preseason at that point and talk about everything that we've noticed so far about, like, you know, different things, different players who've stood out, different quirks, different notes. That's all going to be very exciting. But for now, I believe that's everything that we have for this episode of the Hockey Puckcast. It's been a bit of a long one, but we covered a lot of topics, and I'm happy with everything that we've got. Season two, and we are back. So, that's everything. Thank you so much for joining me, as always, Wally. Let's go Hawks. Hell yes. Nick? We're just around the corner, and let's go Hawks. And John? But our needs to hurry up and save the Bears. They're running out of time. (laughs) Bears can't be saved. Uh, Bears, unfortunately, uh, there's no saving them. Um, but maybe he'll be able to save the Hawks. Uh, could do it though. It's, it's, maybe maybe he'll be able to save the hard. Hawks. Maybe he's able to save the Hawks. Let's, let's start with the Blackhawks, and then we can talk about other sports later. Um, my name is Tyler. This has been the Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by B-Y forward slash 4.0.